Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Ah, football week underway with a manic Monday. You say manic because there's some football decisions to be made, certainly some evaluations to be made this week around the NFL. We're here to talk about it with an eagle slant for you. I'm Birds 365. You got your Mac and Mac guys, McDonald and McMullen. Uh, J-Mac, how many years has it been since you covered a combine, had to make your way out to Indianapolis and then fight the masses for inside info all week? Uh, Oh, it's been a while. I haven't been out there in about six years, maybe. Everything runs together, but it's been a while. And obviously last year there was no combine. Um, so that didn't count. I always get antsy this week though, when I'm not out there because, um, everybody's out there. So I feel like I'm missing something, even (laughs) though, even though when you get out there, you're not missing anything, but. Right. And that's the reason why I asked you that question first today. Uh, there's a lot of talk. There's a lot that goes on. We know there's a lot of very important conversations that are had behind closed doors and you can evaluate all the evaluators, who's looking at what, who's getting excited by what. And that is all good journalism, and a lot of it is speculation. But hands-on stuff, how much of it you just have to trust what your eyes tell you. I've had many a guy who I've had on the air as a guest tell me, oh, this is tampering central. Oh, yeah. There are conversations going on between general managers and underlings and agents, and oh, they'll always cover it. Well, oh, we're talking about the player that we've got in this draft that might not be taken until the fourth round. Well, you spent 20 minutes talking to an agent who's representing a guy who may go in the fourth round. Yeah, right. While you've got four or five other players who are free agents who are uh, going to be hitting the market in uh, upcoming weeks. Yeah, right. You were talking about the kid that you may draft in the fourth round. Yeah, I mean, most of it, you know, the best, <laughs> it is tampering central and the best part to get information. The one good part of Indianapolis, and I know a lot of people say, uh, why is it in Indianapolis? Everything's so close together uh, in downtown Lucas Oil Stadium. Uh, you know, most people stay downtown and You know, everybody in the NFL from a GM and an agent perspective is there. um, And they're usually at at a couple different steakhouses at night. Uh, uh, There's Prime 47, there's St. Elmo Steakhouse. And, you know, you mosey up to the bar, you might overhear something. That's generally how things happen. Nobody's coming out and saying, hey, you know, John McMullen, we're going to trade. Carson Wentz for that. Nobody's doing that. But, you know, when people, when the liquor starts flowing, Jody, uh, people tend to get a little bit louder, as they say. 
And that's what good reporters have to do. They have to be within shouting distance to be able to pick up on stuff like that. Uh, This is the Combine Week. It will officially get underway tomorrow. Uh, Our buddy Matt Verderam has already uh, uh, joined on to sign, uh, signed on to join us on Wednesday before the, uh, uh, the actual interviews. He did say, I'll take your early slot because the interviews start at nine o'clock Eastern. We being on, for those of you who are listening in some other time zone, other than Eastern time zone, we get on at uh, eight o'clock every single morning. So Maddie's going to join us before uh, a couple of interviews are lined up. They make the players available, whatever you can get as far as executives go. They do have locked in times though, for certain key individuals to talk to the media and both uh, the Eagles general manager and head coach will be available on Wednesday. So I know you'll be zooming your life away on uh, Wednesday, Johnny Mac with uh, both Harry Roseman and Nick Sirianni available. Uh, We have no idea how Nick Sirianni is going to handle this situation. He's never been asked to do it before. He's never been a head coach leading into a combine before Uh, last year's combine. uh, Just not the same. This one is certainly different. Um, Do you think Nick has got his veiled answers all prepped and ready to go? Because the last thing you want to do is truly unearth what you're going to be doing come draft day this week when you're just watching the players uh, run around in shorts and t-shirts. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think Nick has become pretty comfortable, uh, especially when you consider where he was when he got hired to where he was at the end of the season. Um, and he, you know, that's natural. He picked it up and he kind of has a feel for it now. So I don't think he's going to be out there, um, you know, panicking or saying things he shouldn't say. I think, I think we're long past that. And I think now he's, you know, <laughs> coaches always say it. And now we can say it about coaches. He's, he's not a rookie anymore. I mean, he's, he, and he really wasn't a rookie late in, in last season and now be treated like a entrenched head coach and he should be, and he, and he will be, and he's, he'll be fine. It's, it's, it's one of those things. It's 15 minutes. Uh, it's like a regular press conference, you know, hasn't done it in a while since after the season, maybe you need a few more reps to get back in the middle. Of it, but, um, you know, I mean, it, it, it's easy to sort of speak in generalities, especially, with draft picks because that's where they are, to be honest in, in March 1st, you know, today's February 28th. They'll be talking March uh, 2nd uh, at the beginning of March. You don't know who the hell you're going to take. I mean, n- no pro days. No, you, you don't know if you haven't formulated where others, you kind of have a feel of what you're looking at. And with the Eagles, it's going to be edge rusher and, and corner. And, you know, we'll see from there uh, whether other positions get in the mix. Uh, you know, I've been talking about edge rusher a lot, for instance. And, and, you know, Daniel Jeremiah had his conference call on Friday with us. And he was talking about the kid from Georgia that I like, Trayvon Walker. He's got him going in the top 10. Well, all, all of a sudden, if he goes in the top 10, one of the reasons why is he thinks he's going to you know, really impress at the combine in his pro day from an athleticism standpoint. Well, if he goes in the top 10, 
you know, how many how many edge rushers are going to go? You know, Hutchinson's going to go. You know, Thibodeau's going to go. He thinks Johnson's going to go. He thinks Walker's going to go. So then the pieces start falling into place. It's a pretty deep class. You still have Ojabo and Karloftis. Uh, so they're going to have somebody available to them. So the board might, you know, clearly define their position and, and where they're going to be. I suppose it's always great to want somebody, but all of a sudden, if they jump into the top 10, well, then you got to start talking about that's the guy you want, maybe pairing two of those picks to try to go up there at nine or 10. And, you know, all this will come into it. So the generalities part of it is pretty easy, Jody, because nobody knows. Well, we'll see. Uh, you got more faith than I do. I think it is a different type of press conference you have to have. As you said, time is limited. You're not going to sit there and take questions for an hour from you and all uh, your fellow beat uh, Eagle Beat guys who do a great job and oftentimes show up here with us on Birds 365. So we like all of them, including Chris Franklin, who's going to join us a little later this morning. But he hasn't done it in a while, and he's never done a combine one before, and I'm just suggesting he may let something slip out of the bag. I will find out when it happens uh, on Wednesday. Uh, but thank you very much for mentioning J Daniel Jeremiah. Uh, I do want to go there with you. Former Eagle guy, former Philly guy, one of the more respected draft Knicks, uh, mock draft guys uh, each and every single year. Uh, he did mention to you guys and did so in print as well on NFL.com that the wide receiver position might be the best top heavy group of anyone in this draft that there's a whole bunch of wide receivers that he's got first round draft grades on, which if you weren't here with us uh, last week, we had a uh, draft guy on. I talked to draft guys on the radio all the time as well. Uh, when we think of first round draft grades, you go, okay, well, the top 32 guys, because there's 32 picks in the first round because there's 32 teams. Uh, no, that there is very infrequently a year where people have 32 individuals with true first round draft grades. Um, a couple guys have told me anywhere from 18 to 25, it can be as few as 18, which is half a first round. But if they're being honest and they want to follow uh, what they've done in previous years, they, it's hard. This group isn't as good as the year before, the year before that. I can't give them a true first round grade. Uh, that might be the case. And Eagles have three picks all within what would be a reasonable amount of time to expect first round draft grades. Well, Daniel Jeremiah's got a bunch of guys at the wide receiver position that he's saying have legit first round draft grades. Now, I know you wrote an article for Philly Voice uh, last week that talked about the wide receiver position and the draft. We all believe that Howie Roseman can't go back into the first round after having done that two years in a row with wide receiver selections. Or can he? Is there a possibility that the guy that's on the board is just so highly rated when the Eagles come up for their first pick, they can't justify not taking their highest rated player because let's be honest, wide receiver is still a position of need for the Philadelphia Eagles. Sorry, Jalen Rager fans, it just is. Hey, I don't even know if we have any 
J.J. Arcega, Whiteside fan slash. Uh, but it is. They need another wide receiver, and we believe they will go after one in free agency. It will be a month into free agency when the draft rolls around, so we'll have a better look at it. But when we're talking about in suppositions today, is there a chance the Eagles go wide receiver with one of, not all, and I'm not even going to say the top, but as of right now, they've got three first-round picks. Could one of them be a wide receiver? Hmm. I, well, if you're asking me to, to, to bet, I would say no. Um, for a number of reasons. Um, one is the obvious reason they've gone that direction so often. Um, they might not want to go that direction again. And I'll firmly admit to you, Jody, that's probably not the best way to go about it. If the, if the kid's there and he's the best player, you should probably take him. You get it where you get into difficulties if you start to think like that. We can't take a receiver because we failed in the past. So I think while that's not the best way to go about it, I think it's also human nature. So I think you put that into the hopper. Uh, I think you put into the, the the positive part, if you're saying they will take a receiver, those three first-round picks, they give you a luxury. Uh, you know, maybe, you know, if they had one first round pick in a normal year, I would tell you right now on no February chance. 28th, no shot, not happening, Correct, not going to happen, but they have three. And if they take three with that third pick, I think everything's in the mix quarterback, interior offensive line, wide receiver, because it's sort of a luxury and you can just go, you know what we got for sake of argument, we got our edge rusher, we got our cornerback. Let's just take the best kid on the board who we think he can help us. And, you know, you have that luxury. So that kind of helps. But what I just talked about, those edge rushers, and in those real first-round draft grades you were talking about, Jody, and we had we had uh, uh, Rick, Rick Saratella on last week. He said nine. I've never heard not, nine is brutally bad. But uh, a whole part of that top, and my concern is I usually hear about, there's usually 15 to 20 every right. year, usually about 15. And where are the Eagles? 15, 16, 19. 19. Yep. So it's a big, if that floor cuts off at 14, well, that's not good news for the Eagles. Um, if it cuts off at 20, it's really good news for the Eagles. Unfortunately, I think it's closer to cutting off at 14 than cutting off at 20. So my early feel is they are going to identify an edge rusher and they're going to go up and get him. And I don't know who that is, but the two most, you're not going to get Hutchinson. You're not going to get Thibodeau. I a hundred percent. You're not getting Hutchinson. I would say there's a 5% chance Thibodeau could fall late into the top 10. So somewhere eight or nine, then he could start talking about going up and getting them. But that's really unlikely. The other two, Jermaine Johnson and, and Trayvon Walker, you could probably trade up and get one of those guys. So if they if they focus in and they say, okay, this, this guy's a difference maker, I think they're going to go up and get an edge rusher and maybe you start talking about only having two first-round picks, and that makes it less likely that they would go near receiver. But that's what's fun about this draft. Right. There's so many 
so many ways it can go because they have three first-round picks. They start the process with three first-round picks. And edge wrestler is a position they surely have a need for, and it looks like there's a pretty good group there. There are the rankings within the group, and I, I'll go out on a limb and tell you right now, it's darn close to a lock in this upcoming NFL draft. Aiden Hutchinson is staying home that the second pick in the draft belongs to the Detroit Lions. I think Tampa will take an offensive lineman with the first pick and protect uh, Trevor Lawrence. And um, they're, again, varying opinions on who the best uh, left tackle is in this draft. I think it's Evan Neal from Alabama, but some people like the kid from North Carolina State, Conwu, uh, and even some like the kid from Mississippi State. Um, I think it's going to be Evan Neal, number one. Aiden Hutchinson's going to be a Lion. How do you not take them if you're the Lions? Uh, they're a stumbling, bumbling franchise that might not be able to sell out their home games. I know people like Dan Campbell and his attitude, but let's be honest. All they did was lose last year. There's a reason they've got the second pick in the draft. If you're not taking a quarterback, which they're not, because we talk about where the quarterback should actually be drafted, go ahead and reach for a quarterback at number two and look like an idiot. They're not going to do that. So it's going to be it's going to be Aiden Hutchinson. They're going to take him second because he's a homeboy from Michigan. He's arguably the second or best player in the draft. How do you pass up on something like that? I don't think there's any way the Lions do. No, I agree. His his floor, and that's why I said 100%, is probably number two. And he might go number one, depending. I, I agree with you as well. Jacksonville's more likely going to go the direction of trying to protect Trevor Lawrence. But um, – I think he's the best player in the draft and um, Hutchinson I'm talking about. And if you have number one, I would think Jacksonville would try to finagle something and try to convince Detroit somebody's coming up and try to get something something extra from them. So ultimately, I think you're going to be right. But, you know, the floor is number two. So that's why I say cross his name out. The Eagles aren't getting him. Everybody else, Thibodeau, very slight chance – but I think there's a slight chance he could fall a little bit. And by a little bit, I mean bottom of the top 10. Uh, probably not. He's probably going to be a top five player. That's why I put, you know, whatever, 10% on that. And then you start talking about the other guys. And there's four other good edge rushers that are probably in the top 15 of this draft. So, you know, six out of the top 15 are edge rushers. It's a good year to be looking for an edge rusher and the Eagles need an edge rusher. So that part is a positive. And then I'll also bring up free agency. I should have brought that up before, Jody. If, if you're in free agency, there's a better chance you can get a decent receiver that route. And we've talked about, you know, the DJ Charks, the Christian Kirks, the Michael Gallups, even the Cedric Wilsons for a decent price. And they're veteran and you don't have to deal with your issues developing receivers versus edge rushers. The good edge rushers are Von Miller at his age. The Eagles wouldn't want him and, and he wouldn't want the Eagles. I mean, he'd probably go back to Denver if he could or stay with the Rams. Chandler Jones, same type of thing. Jadavion Clowney seems to be out there every year. There's a reason for that. You know, Hassan Reddick, we talked a little bit about because people like him because he's from Philly. I'll tell you, the one guy who I would love, who I would love from a playing perspective, 
but you can't trust him is Randy Gregory. I can't trust. I mean, I want him, but I can't trust him. So I can't go that route. Um, you know, you, you, you can't do it. You could do wide receiver in free agency. You can't do edge rusher in free agency. Derek Barnett's probably better than anybody else you could get. And, you know, you do, I know Jody McDonald doesn't want to bring him back. So you better get an edge rusher in the draft. You're not going to do it in free agency. Yeah, you I'm get a wide guys. receiver. You mentioned that I'm one of those guys who would really like to see Hassan Reddick come back here. You'll remember I told you this last year when we were getting Birds 365 underway. He was not one of the early free agent grabs, and he was a guy who I absolutely liked. I know I said it on WIP, and I might have said it on the beginning of Birds 365, that he was a guy that I thought was sitting on a big year, couldn't believe they let him get the free agency, signed a short-term deal with Arizona, got double-digit sacks this past year. I just love the talent. The question is, will he fit in, would he fit in Jonathan Gannon's system? I got another Gannon <laughs> point I want to bring up with you. Uh, something I heard over the weekend, want to get your take on it. Uh, he is John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We are Birds 365, the Mac guys. I mentioned that uh, our buddy Chris Franklin's going to join us a little bit later from NJ.com. When we come back, I'll ask J-Mac about Jonathan Franklin and his flexibility. Someone questioning it over the weekend. I'll question John McMullen on it next here on Birds 365. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. It's Combine Monday here on Birds 365. Combine gets underway tomorrow. We'll be covering for you all week here on Birds 365. Uh, McMullen and McDonald hanging with you. I did, did want to ask you a Jonathan Gannon type question. Um, caught uh, John Clark's uh, Sunday night wrap up on NBC Sports last night. And we may get John on the show one day this week because he's had a couple of really good uh, podcasts getting guys to jump on his uh, podcast one of which was Brian Dawkins this past week. So they use an excerpt from Dawk in the uh, podcast that did, uh, uh, did Johnny Clark's taken off. And he said about Jonathan Gannon, he really liked the fact that over the course of the season, Jonathan Gannon changed the way he did his business, that he became more aggressive, that he became better at disguising some of the things that he wanted to do, and that that was one of the reasons why the Eagles' defense got better as the year went along. Why am I not remembering it that way? I think he was a little bit more aggressive against some of the lesser light quarterbacks that the Eagles played. I would, if there was any change in Jonathan Gannon's overall way of doing things <clears throat> and using players, I would say it was more determined by the opposition than the learning of the first half of the season as compared to the second half of the season. Did you think Jonathan Gannon made a conscious change? Oh, I'm not aggressive enough. I need to be more aggressive at any point during this season. Um, No, I don't. I, do I. I, you know, I do think that Nick Sirianni was starting to hear some of the chirping uh, and they had that conversation about, I think the word was challenging more. Um, and I think, you know, it's one of those things where, um, it's sort of like the chicken and egg. You, you said, uh, opposition. I won't even say it was opposition. It was success on first and second down. He didn't have it. And a lot of it is common sense because he didn't have it against the Brady's and all the great quarterbacks that we saw the 80% guys, anytime a good quarterback showed up. They didn't have any success. So if it's third and three, well, you're not going to blitz Tom Brady. Well, and if you do, uh, you know, you're you know, good luck. Um, uh, whereas when they got to the Garrett Gilberts of the world and the and the Jake Roms of the world, you know, it's third and 13. Yeah, go get him. Go get, <laughs> what's he going to do? Um, so, uh, you know, a lot of it is, is, is common sense. Um, but no, I don't think he said to himself. In fact, I know he didn't say to himself because he has confidence in what he's trying to accomplish is, okay, we got to we got to do this, which is out of character because we're not being successful. Uh, the goal was always to improve, to be successful, to force third and longs, which is what everyone tries to do. Um, and that's one thing I love about Jonathan Gannon. He tells the truth. You know, he's like, everybody runs the same stuff on defense, you know, do you, do you execute it? Do you teach it properly? Um, and that's what it's, that's what it's more about, but people don't want to hear that Jody. They don't want to, 
they don't want to hear the common sense aspect of it. Agreed. And I, I saw very little change. Uh, you're right. It was based on results. You say based on results. I say based on the competition. Well, the competition gave you those results. Yeah, exactly. Those those poor quarterbacks got in the third and 13, whereas Brady was always third and two. So, yeah, um, one which comes for a chicken or the egg there. But I didn't see a great change. I was surprised because uh, B-Doc knows more about NFL defenses than you, me, combined. Uh, but uh, I thought he just mis- misread that, that situation. Um, but, hey, here's the good news. Jonathan Gannon, major piece added this week. Eagles with a signing. You got to look, but you got to look at it. Rennell Wren. Rennell Wren. Yeah. Is that W R E N Wren? Yeah. W R E N. He was a fourth round draft pick a couple of years ago by the Cincinnati Bengals. Played a little bit in his rookie season, missed all 2020 with an injury, was on the practice squad basically this past year. Uh, There's a reason why he could be signed at this time, right, John? That True free agents can't sign with anybody until no. the new year starts. But he was a guy who was just on the practice squad. He hadn't have signed a futures contract. The Eagles got a bunch of guys who would, quote, unquote, be on their practice squad now who are signed to futures contracts. Um, he did not sign with Cincinnati. Uh, this anything more than just a stone cold lottery ticket that you're throwing Man, a you line into a, the water? Exactly. Big guy. You take a flyer. Um you know, as you mentioned, he was want to, once a fourth-round pick, so decent prospect at one point before the injuries took over. I know he had a quad injury at some point. And, um, they need, uh, you know, if you think about their defensive tackle rotation, um, they like to go four deep, and they have Fletcher and Javon Hargrave, so no concerns, no concerns with Milton Williams, but I don't think they're going to bring Hassan Ridgeway back, so you you need somebody to to sort of develop into that fourth guy. So then you start talking about um, you know Rennell Ren and, and Marlon Tua. Marlon, when, yeah. when are we getting to Marlon? Tua. Marlon was just a draft pick last year. Yeah, and that's you know you throw all these guys in the hopper and you say, okay, who's the best? And I don't think that's a bad way to go about it. And um. You know, again, fourth man in the defensive tackle rotation, if you stay healthy, you're talking about maybe 10, 15 reps, 20, if you beat somebody, you know, if you're beating somebody really badly or soundly. Um, why not take a shot? A big guy, as I said, you know, maybe he gets healthy. Uh, fourth round pick is is better than Marlin. Marlin T was a sixth round pick. So, you know, throw him in the... Throw him in the hopper, so to speak. Doesn't hurt. I'm Let him not, show up to camp and compete. Right. I'm not knocking the signing by any stretch of the imagination. It's a uh, late February signing, which is right before free agency start. Well, not right, but uh, a couple of weeks before free agency. There's a reason why the guy's available. The Bengals have had him. They've judged him. They've looked at him. They used the fourth round pickup. We talk here on Birds 365 all the time about how the Eagles cling to their draft pick, how they uh, give draft picks longer rope to continue to play and continue to prove that it wasn't a mistake pick and the like. And at times I think they overdo it, as a matter of fact, and are critical of the Eagles for this. Cincinnati's ready to cut this guy after three years, cut ties with him. If, they, if he's not even signed to a futures contract at this time, 
they've already stamped it as, oh, sorry, made a mistake. We're moving on from a fourth-round pick after only uh, three years. That kind of says something. Now, uh, the the Bengals were the bungles for a lot of years before they went to the Super Bowl this yeah. year. So I, I'm not saying, ooh, this is one of the marquee franchises in the NFL. When they say he can't, he can't play, you better believe he can't play. They have not always been that. But this year they are coming off a Super Bowl appearance, so they did get a whole bunch of things right. He's a name. That's what he is right now. He's a, he's a guy who's going to get reps in camp. Maybe you find the diamond in the rough. Maybe this is a genius move. Maybe, as I said, it's a lottery ticket. You spend your two bucks. And you take your shot. Most times you go, all right, now after I lost my two bucks, I can't get my third cup of coffee for the day. And you roll your eyes and you move on with the rest of your life. That's what this is. If, if, if this kid comes in and doesn't make the team, you end up coming. Who cares? You take the chance. Just don't. Ooh, this is he's going to be in our defensive tackle rotation. I bet good money against that. You say he's going to be, what did you say, 10 to 12 reps during a game? Yeah, now, I well, I said if he wins the job, it'll right. be a 10. You know, if, if that, yeah, that's the fourth man in the rotation. Now, what, what the concern is, obviously, is if you have an injury and then all of a sudden somebody like that's got to bump up. Um, you know, and that's – but everybody has those depth problems in the NFL. I mean, just looking at I, – I don't know what happened with Rennell in, in Cincinnati, but – there was two stints on injury reserve, one stint on non-football injury. So a lot of injury issues. Uh, so maybe if he gets healthy, if he's healthy, maybe he can do something. But yeah, you're right. I mean, n- very unlikely he's going to be anything more than a camp body. But we'll see how it shakes out. At least he's he's got the, the template, the ability to play in this league. And he's huge. I think he's 6'5", 320. Um, so he offers something the Eagles haven't had as far as that massive big body. You think about, um, you know, Milton Williams is undersized uh, right. for, for a defensive tackle. Son Ridgeway was not huge. This guy's a big, big, big player they haven't had in a, in a long time. So – Maybe he fits something they're looking for. And and again, you roll the dice. Talking about depth on the defensive line, I got another depth question for you. Um, always enjoy doing Birds 365 on Mondays because uh, two of my favorite uh, writers other than John McMullen uh, usually put stuff out over the weekend on a Sunday. Uh, Peter King with his Sunday morning column on uh, Pro Football, uh, Florio spot, uh, Pro Football Talk. And uh, Ruben, uh, NBC Sports, Philadelphia, Ruben Frank. Uh, Ruben, in one of his 10 observations, hit on TE2. That would be your backup tight end, tight end two on the Philadelphia Eagles roster and suggests that the Eagles might want to use a draft pick on a player uh, in that position in the upcoming draft. And that did surprise me a little bit. Um, the Eagles had a lot, a lot of needs. Uh, certainly the ones are more important than the twos uh, people you believe can turn into starters rather than backups. And the Eagles have two decent back Jack Stoll's okay. If you're getting to your TE two, you're not expecting him to be playing the majority of your offensive snaps. 
And Tyree Jackson, a guy who we've spent a lot of time talking about here on Birds 365 because uh, both you and the other guys that we would get on from Eagles camp during this past year's lead up to the regular season were impressed by this young man who they'd converted from quarterback at the University of Buffalo to tight end that he seemed to be adapting pretty quickly there and was making eye-opening catches in camp. Sure enough, he gets hurt right before the regular season starts and they have to put him on IR. And it was a decision when he was going to come back and how did that tie into whether whether or when the Eagles were going to trade Zach Ertz. He did come back and play, but sure enough, he got injured again. Where is Tyree Jackson in the Eagles' plans right now? I didn't get a chance to see him like you guys did in practice, but you sold him to me pretty good that he was someone that could someday become a pretty big contributor for the Eagles. Where is he right now? Is Ruben Frank right that tight end two is a position the Eagles do have to look to upgrade in this upcoming draft? Yeah, I, I do think they're going to draft a tight end. You know, it might be uh, early day three. Um I don't think they would draft him in the first two days, but you never know. Maybe third round be certainly a potential, at least you throw it in the mix. But um, with Tyree, I mean, the problem is, is he tore his ACL in, in, in the week 18 game. I got, I always got to think about that. Yeah. We're week 18, Jody. Um, so, I mean, his entire off season is wiped out uh, now. You know, typically in in today's modern world, you can get back in nine months and be pretty much yourself uh, from a torn ACL. They do a much better job these days. So he could be back essentially at the start of the regular season. But remember, this is a developmental guy. This is a guy who needs the offseason. This is not an entrenched player. So I don't think you can count on Tyree Jackson any longer. Now you hope you hope he comes back and you hope he starts uh, going on the same trajectory you thought he might be on last season. But, you know, and how we have said, I forget the quote he said about hope, but it's not a strategy, uh, which he's right. You know, the interesting thing about Jack Stoll, you know, everybody disregards the guy because he's undrafted. This happens all the time. I talked about it last week when we were talking about linebackers. Now we have an entrenched player. And yes, I'm going to call T.J. Edwards an entrenched player. Nobody thinks about him. Nobody talks about him. When we talk about linebackers, um, the Kobe Dean, uh, Devin Lloyd, uh, can, you know, Jerry Robinson, for the first time in 40-whatever years, can the Eagles go linebacker? Well, no, because they're not going to take a linebacker, but that's for other reasons. But what nobody ever says is, oh, and by the way, T.J. Edwards played really, really well. And I don't mean, like, really well for an undrafted guy that wasn't supposed to play well. I mean, really well. I think pro football focus, and we talk about them all the time, had him top stinking 10 in the entire league about how he performed at linebacker. And inside linebacker, they had him top 10 statistically? Yes. Yes. All right, I'm I'm going to... I'm going to need you to double check that for me. That would I, I will that double would, check it. That would I, be a surprise for me. Uh, you know me. I was a TJ. I was on the TJ Edward bandwagon. Shoot, I came here on Birds 365 and said, you know how he likes to do these? Get them under contract before they hit free agency. 
complete utter free agency, restricted free agency, whatever. We know the Eagles are going to do some deals like that. They got my lot of done big time. Um, but I said, TJ Edwards is a guy you should absolutely think about doing. Uh, if there's a one-year team-friendly, get them locked up type deal they can do with TJ Edwards, I would do it tomorrow. And damn if Howie didn't get it done within the next few yeah. weeks. So and I'm not, and, and by the fan. way, and by the way, Jody, I'm not saying Jack stole as TJ Edwards, but I'm just using it as an example. People dismiss undrafted guys. I thought Jack played well, and he's only going to get better. Uh, but I do think it's a need, and I, I did look it up while you were talking, and this includes the playoffs. He didn't play as well in the playoffs. So he was top 10 in the regular season. He was 10 exactly. Uh, when you include the playoffs, number 10. And here's the top 10. I'll just give you the top 10 real quick. So it's not like there's not good players. Michael Parsons was number one. Devondre Campbell was number two. Alexander Johnson from Denver was number three. Darius Leonard, we all know how good he is. Fred Warner was five. Uh, Pete Werner from New Orleans was six. Jamie Collins, seven. Demario Davis, who I personally love, was eight. Uh, Jeremiah Owuso-Koromoa, who I also love as a young player, was nine. And then T.J. Edwards. That's pretty good company he's keeping. Yeah. That's damn good. I, I did not know he ranked and rated out uh, that well. I would have thought somewhere in the, the 20s to be in the top 10, 10 as it is. But that's still inside the top 10. You're right. Um, which means you're probably right. We'll be quoting Jerry Robinson's name again next year <laughs> as a year that the Eagles have and not. We'll see. You know, can TJ keep it up? I don't know. Uh, look, I mean, there is something to the fact that you know, longevity is part of it. Guys can have good streaks and good seasons. Can they do it year after year after year? That's the consistency kind of uh, – uh, but he played really well last year. I mean, really well. And I just think people dismiss it because of his pedigree. And we, we talk about that all the time as well. I think it's a real thing, and people dismiss it. I like uh, Edwards, so uh, even though I think the – Eagles need an upgraded linebacker. And I was single to made a lot of plays. Uh, he was starting, then Edwards replaced him, and he got back in because of injuries and the fact that Wilson stunk, bad signing, uh, not even close. Well, I, I still think they need an upgrade because I don't think Davion Taylor's the guy, ironically, as a third-round pick because he has more of a pedigree. I don't think Alex Singleton is that guy. He's a great special teams player, and he does a uh, – a, a yeoman job when he's forced to go in there. But I think you need improvement at the other linebacker position. I don't think you need improvement over TJ Edwards. I really don't. I tend to agree, but I know even, even the Eagles who get linebackers off the field, whenever they get the chance, sometimes get down to just one linebacker on the field uh, rather than three, you still need minimum two linebackers on most downs and right now, if you like T.J. Edwards as much as you do, as much as I do, that's fine. That's one. How about the other spot? So I still think the Eagles uh, need a linebacker. We, we, They will be following the guidance, at least in part, or at least we think so, of Andy Weidel as the uh, head of their scouting department, at least for now. Uh, word on Andy Weidel over the weekend that he was one of those who was interviewed for the opening in Pittsburgh for their general manager position. Uh, the GM is going to retire 
after the draft. He committed to stay on with the Steelers until after the draft. He has been part of the process of uh, ranking all the prospects and the like, and he's leaving of his own volition, and he's not looking to move on to another job. So it's one of those unique situations where he is going to stay in position till after the draft, but then either just before or right after, they will hire a new general manager, and Andy Weidel is one of about a dozen guys that they've interviewed so far. So it's not something that will probably happen in the next couple of days. As a matter of fact, with everyone heading out to the Combine, there'll probably be a lot of backbiting and infighting for that position. As a matter of fact, and Andy Weidel is in the mix but he's going to spend the next month with the Eagles prepping for the draft and uh, giving them his insight and working with all the scouts and the like. Um, I don't want to, since the Eagles have already lost two uh, underlings uh, in Harry Roseman's front office, uh, Andy Weidel leaving surely would not be seen as a good thing. Can you be worried about it though, Johnny Mac? This is kind of weird in that usually if uh, someone wants to talk to someone, Either they're going to get the job, not get the job. It's not going to be this longer waiting period, but that's exactly what we're looking at here. Is this something that the Eagles will be affected by leading up to the draft? Um, I don't think leading up to the draft, you know, this is kind of that example that I, I give people that um, in the scouting world, it's different than everything else in the NFL. They're on a different calendar. Uh, everything goes draft to draft. So, uh, Kevin Colbert's retiring, moving out of Pittsburgh. That's why his contract ends after the draft. That's how they do it in the scouting uh, world. Now, when guys get promotions, that's a little bit different for GMs, assistant GMs, which you saw with Ian Cunningham um, and uh, uh, Brandon Brown. Brandon Brown. Um, that's a little bit different. Uh, because they're getting promotions, you can't stop them from leaving. But if it went, you know, like a an area scout, to use an example, um, Alan Wolking is one of the Eagles scouts. His contract, uh, when it does run out, it will run out after the draft. Then it could start talking to other teams, and you'll see different draft movements. And that's when you'll see the update of personnel departments around the league come out. They'll start coming out all over around the league, but. Um, yeah, it's a concern because the two guys who would have replaced Andy, if he got a promotion, if he got a GM job are already gone. <laughs> so, I mean, if, if, you know, if Andy, if this was traditional and Kevin Colbert got fired after the season, um, and Andy Waddle got the GM job, then probably Ian Cunningham or Brandon Brown would still be here. Uh, it, with his job. Um, so it is concerning that there's at least a possibility that the Eagles will lose their, their top three scouts. That's essentially Andy is the top scout in the organization and any, and, and Brandon would have been number two, a and two B. Um, and that's, you know, that's a big hit. Um, in one off season. So I would say it is a concern, but you mentioned 12 people that we know of have, uh, have interviewed for this job so far. Um, and obviously Pittsburgh can take their time and, and, and do a very extensive search. Um, 
They're also very in tune with the Rooney Rule. Obviously, it's created in their name. Uh, they were the ones who dove into the pool first with Mike Tomlin. They dove into the pool with Brian Flores. Um, they hired him with all this. I, I ultimately think they're going to hire a minority candidate. Um, but it's got to be concerned for the Eagles that they could lose their top three scouts in, in one offseason. You talked about the two guys that have already taken positions with other organizations moving uh, to the Giants and, and the Browns, uh, the Bears, respectively. Um, with Cunningham and Brown gone, I thought there was a chance that the Eagles would hire someone to replace them. If not advancing someone within their own scouting department to that position, then hiring someone to replace that scout. It does come down to the timing of the calendar. You've got all your information locked in. You've been putting your information together. You don't necessarily want to bring someone in, but you also don't want to miss out on the potential of hiring someone good. Does it bother you? Does it worry you? Are you surprised that the Eagles, to this point, at least officially, have not announced any replacements for the two front office guys that they've lost? No, because just what I was saying, that's the way it always happens, especially with this team, and that, um, look, somebody's already doing those jobs. And if I had to bet, it would be Anthony Patch would be, is already essentially gotten the job in-house, is doing the work. Uh, and they'll announce the actual titles after the draft uh, when the contracts run out and they reassemble the whole department. They, they will... Uh, release it as one. That's generally how you do it. Every team in the NFL does it that way with their personnel department. So they've already made the decisions uh, in-house likely. They might be bringing in um, other people uh, because they lost some people and they might have their eyes on um, other scouts and other organizations, but they have to wait for their contracts to expire uh, and them to be free agent, so to speak. So there's going to be some turnover, but that'll happen after the draft. As far as in the draft, remember, this team is deeper than any other team in the NFL, and that's not figurative. That's literal. They do that on purpose. Nobody even talks about Tom Donna. When when every time they have an upheaval, and, and they that's happened many times over the years, they just go, okay, Tom, take over the draft. He's been... He's been doing it forever, and he can do it. They have Dave Caldwell, who's a former GM in Jacksonville. As I said, they have Anthony Patch, who'd be next in line for Ian Cunningham and Brandon Brown's jobs. Um, they have plenty of people. I, I wouldn't be concerned about it. Mm, I hear you, and they do. Uh, what was the comparison we made leading up to the Super Bowl? The Eagles staff as compared to the Bengals staff when it 20 comes to, to six. 20 to 6. So that tells you, John's not making this stuff up. They do have an extensive staff when it comes to their front office and uh, scouting and evaluation for the biggest time of the year, which is the draft itself. But you're used to that number. They've been using that number over the last couple of years. And you lost two pretty big voices in that. So we always hear about the collaborative process that is getting ready for a draft, putting a draft board together, having a fluid draft board leading up to it so that if and when you need to make changes, you can do so and you can have 
uh, reasons why you're doing so and extensive uh, opinions and scouting reports, just taking two key guys out. You don't think it's going to have any effect, do you? No, I don't because I it, they set up this thing and I'm counting it up. They they did update. I'm I'm trying to count it up. So we're one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. Yeah, eighteen deep uh, on the scouting side. Um, and as I said, it's Andy Weidel, Tom Donahoe, Anthony Patch, Alan Wolking, who I mentioned, Dave Caldwell, T.J. McCrate, Max Gruder. If anything, you know, I've always said about the Eagles, are there too many voices? Too many cooks spoil the yeah. broth? Is that where you're going? Yeah, yeah. Are there too many voices? Because we constantly hear ad nauseum, not just in Philadelphia, and you see it with all these GM hires across this league. Everybody, collaboration, 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 collaboration. Great. Somebody's got to make a decision. Yep. Um Ultimately, I think Howie's strong enough to make that decision always has been. So I don't worry about it as much here as in certain other places with young GMs. But um, I don't know. That's a lot of people. And that's a lot of people weighing in. That's not even bringing up the coaching staff. They have their opinions. They get into it. Um, what what I'm not concerned about is there there's not enough people uh, to do the work that that I'm not concerned about that I, I'm more concerned about are they making the right decision and what's that decision making process all right now one more uh, Eagles related kind of overall strategy question before we get our second break in and Chris Franklin from nj.com will join us next hour um, this past week in the NFL for some teams tis the season to restructure and a couple of big money star level players and names redid their deals for their teams to give their teams salary cap relief. Yeah. It was two teams that are blatantly over the salary cap. The saints redid Michael Thomas, yeah, they have to their do offensive it, yeah. lineman, the Packers blatantly over had to redo back the Aries deal. The Eagles don't have to do that. The Eagles are below the salary cap. But you'd also like a little bit more flexibility when free agency starts. Give yourself the best flexibility you can, but you know the price you pay whenever you redo these deals. You're just pushing money into the future. And at some time, that money is going to come due, and you're going to have to take a cap hit if you're going to continue to push it forward for the future. Um, This week will be all about the combine. But then we'll have a couple of weeks after where we'll be leading, not shouldn't say a couple of weeks, a couple of days, more like it, leading up to the uh, actual start of the league year, new league year. Is there anybody on this team that you would look to see a restructure? We first, first thing first, I shouldn't put the cart before the horse. We need to see what happens with Jason Kelsey. Uh, you've said it on record. I've said it on record. We expect to hear something before the start of the league year. It would only be right for Kelsey to tell the Eagles, yeah, listen, I'm back. I'm good. Let's get this deal knocked out. Let's find out what I'm going to play for. I don't think he's going to put the Eagles over a, uh, uh, an open flame and, and hold their feet to the fire. I think he'll do a team-friendly deal. He's done it before. He'll do it again. And we expect him to do that. But any other guys that you think Howie would attempt to do a restructured deal with before the first of the new league year? 
Um, probably not before. Uh, it'll be one of those situations where if they need the space, they'll do it at that point. Remember, most modern NFL contracts, you don't even have to get the approval of the player now. You just move around the money. Um, and it's sort of worked in because it's not hurting the player. In fact, it's helping the player. He's just getting uh, more of the money owed to him up front. So they're usually happy uh, with restructures. The problem with the Eagles is they restructured too many people because of the hell they were in with the Carson Wentz dead money. So they don't have a lot of guys that they can create a lot of money with. And there's a few you, Darius Slade would be most notable. Um, they could do uh Javon Hargrave again um, and get a little bit of money. Isaac Sayamalo get a little bit of money. Jake Elliott, believe it or not, they could get, you know, 2 million or so somewhere in that range, but not tons of money. They they've already done so many and they've done Fletcher so many times They mm-hmm. you know, they, they can't do anything more with him, essentially. Um, so it's not – they are where they are pretty much. And if, if they need a little bit of money, but I would certainly say Darius Slay would be the most likely uh, to be restructured. Um, and that's where they can gain, you know, probably over $10 million. So that would be pretty significant. And as you also correctly pointed out, don't need to do it today. I'm just asking now. I'm not saying, oh, the Eagles going to announce something in the next couple of days. No, they wouldn't do it till after all the combine work is over. And there's a good chance they wouldn't even have to converse with the player. They can just make the decision to restructure. And the player always benefits by getting money up front. Uh, so my question was, would the Eagles do it? Not would the Eagles have to negotiate it? Would they do no. it to create more cap room? probably not till after the free agency period starts because you can come to an agreement with a guy. And if you don't have the flexibility, you just create the flexibility by redoing deals. I eat John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald, birds, three sixty five Mac guys, Chris Franklin, NJ.com going to join us coming up next. Still got plenty of birds to break down for you. Be right back. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. You've got John McMullen and Jody McDonald, a.k.a. Mac and Mac here with you on Birds 365, kicking off Combine Week. Officially gets underway tomorrow. Uh, we will have Matt Verderam from Fansided. The uh, guy's been good enough to hop aboard here on Birds 365. He's at the Combine and said he'll come on with us Wednesday before uh, that day gets underway in Indianapolis. We'll try and wrangle at least one or two more. Uh, from the combine it's going to be tough getting guests here on bird 365 this week because people are busy and uh, they're trying to get that extra added info as john noted uh in our number one of the show um sometimes the better info is gotten after combine days are over after a adult beverage or two has been had that you might be able to get some loose lips sinking ships and get some extra info but uh we're on in the morning so maybe we could be able to get somebody from indianapolis we'll try matt verderam will be on with us uh tomorrow i john uh, saw this story last night um and it doesn't surprise me a little bit that uh, they're at least considering it i have an abject uh objection to it i don't think it's necessary that the Indianapolis Colts, they got to figure out who the hell their quarterback is if it's not going to be Carson Wentz. But they know enough that they think the rules of overtime should be changed for the National Football League. They made an official proposal, which means it will at least be voted on to change the overtime rooms in the NFL. They're suggesting should be changed both for the regular season and the playoffs. A lot of stories and speculation about they may just change it for the playoffs because of what happened this year, Kansas City getting the ball right down the field, scoring Buffalo after playing in one of the most exciting games in the history of the National Football League, never got their hands on the ball in overtime. Uh, I don't buy it. I don't believe it. I don't think it's necessary. I don't think there needs to be a change. Play some defense. I know the league has become such an offensively dominated league, but that's why people are talking along these lines. Maybe I'm old school. Maybe I still believe that there's two sides to the football and you should be able to play some defense and get your team the ball back. Uh, if they go to this new overtime rule, which they'd still need 24 out of 32 teams to sign off on it, both teams would be guaranteed a possession in overtime. 
basically like college football don't know if they'd spot the ball like they do in college football. The exact details of the proposal have not been released yet. You think uh, NFL needs an overhaul of overtime? Uh, I don't. You know, uh, I'm kind of an old school guy myself, as you know, Joe. I had no problem with sudden death, to be honest with you. And I, I do think there are two sides. I, I can't believe the the complaints, to be honest. There's some things I just, you know, I, I don't get. And I, I don't get these complaints. There's no perfect system. Um, you do have an opportunity to get the ball. You just got to hold somebody. You don't even have to stop them. You got to hold them to a field goal. The only way you don't get the ball is that they score a touchdown. And if you give up a touchdown, I don't have a problem with you losing the game. I just don't. That's a personal, obviously other people do. I don't, I don't get it. But one thing I will say is you can't have different rules for regular season and, and, and postseason just because postseason is more important. So you win a game in the regular season. You don't win in the postseason because of a, because of why uh, everything's arbitrary at the end of the day, but um, less arbitrary is always better. And I think when you start listening to the, the vocal minority, the vocal complainers uh, you go down a, a bad path. And I think that's what the NFL is doing with overtime. They did it once. They're going to, they might do it again. Hopefully they don't. I personally really dislike the college rule. I don't know about you, Jody. I don't like it at all. I I think it comes across more as a, you know, there's gimmick. Gimmick. Uh, in, That's the in, exact word, John. You don't have to search any yeah. further. It's yeah. gimmicky. Yeah, it's very gimmicky. And this is a sport that's so popular it doesn't need gimmicks. Leave the gimmicks to the 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 sports chasing you. Um I, I don't think it needs to be changed. Um and 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 I you know, I don't understand. This is one complaint I really don't understand that much. I, I it just I don't know why there's so much angst about it because it was an entertaining game. It was still an entertaining game. It was tremendously entertaining. It was one of the greatest games of all time. I mean, and and then I, I should also bring this up, and I know I brought this up with you before. It, you know, for me, it's it's so many. It's a, you know, on one column, they're, they're always saying, oh, player safety, player safety, player safety, player safety. But no, keep playing to the end of time. Uh, because everybody's gassed. Uh, oh no, somebody might not get injured in that type of situation. It, it, it's so hypocritical and convoluted that the 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 arguments for this. I I just I I I don't understand it. And here's what make, makes me even more crazy. When I read this last night, I was shocked that one team would step up and propose it. Still, as I mentioned earlier, it's got to pass, and you need. Uh, three quarters of the teams in the NFL to get it to pass. And I don't know that they're going to be able to do that, but it's not like I polled every single owner of a team in the national football league. It's just my uh, observation guesstimation. Here's why it, it really puts me off this time. The, the entire conversation seemed to come about because of the chiefs against the bills and the phenomenal playoff game they played this year. And the fact that, uh, Kansas City tied it with so few seconds left in the game. 
Shame on Buffalo for their defensive breakdown. Um, I mean, how about that? And then Kansas City yeah. wins the toss, gets the ball, goes right down the field. Again, shame on Buffalo for their defensive breakdown. Oh, my God, we can't do it. The game should have continued. How do you not give the quarterback a chance, Allen, playing as well as he did? He's got to get his hands on the football. Okay, I understand your point of view. Then the next week, Bengals Chiefs. Chiefs again. Same thing. Go to overtime. Here comes the coin flip. Oh, guess what? Chiefs win again. Patrick Mahomes has the ball. It's his house. The house is rocking. What's he going to do? Of course he's going down the field and sticking in the end zone, just like he did the week before against Buffalo. Oh, except he didn't. He threw an interception. Cincinnati got the ball, and the uh, uh, marvelous young rookie kicker comes out, puts him between the uprights. Oh, Cincinnati's going to the Super Bowl. So you had an example right there. Here's your job. The coin flip doesn't go your way in overtime. Send your defense out there. Get a stop. Or as John correctly pointed out, you don't even need to get a stop. Just don't let him get into the end zone. Hold him to a field goal. Then you get the ball back. And you do what you have to do. And oh, by the way, there's even advantage because once the other teams put up a field goal, you know until you get into field goal range, you're going every every fourth down. There's no such thing as fourth down. It's all downs. You can't do anything else other than get within field goal range. So that's a plus. At least the team that has the first has to worry. Oh, shoot, we're third and 16 here from the 40-yard line. What do we do? Yeah. Yeah. It, it does add strategy to the game. You're not going to punt. <laughs> yeah. We we have unquestionably just seen how overtime can be won by a team that loses the flip. The well, Cincinnati they, Bengals know, did it and went to the Super Bowl. Did, did people just forget the end of the uh, Chiefs yes. Bengals game this year? The answer is yes. And th- there are two things here. Uh Coaches don't think like fans. Fans think like you just laid it out, Jody. Fans think they won the coin toss, the game's over. Coaches don't think that way. They think, all right, let's go out there, let's stop them. You have to think that way. You have to have that optimism to be a coach in the National Football League. These are some of the most optimistic people I've ever met in my life. I somehow wonder, when I've covered bad teams over the years, I wonder how they get up for work every day and show the same optimism. It's pretty amazing. So they don't think that way. And as you pointed out, you don't have to go very far. You got to go one week to point out, well, they won the coin toss and they didn't win the game. It wasn't over because it's not a death sentence. You are capable of doing something. Now I'll be the first to admit this league has shifted everything towards the offense. But the rules are the rules. And that rule that ships everything, whichever one you want to bring up, the more liberal pass interference rules, uh, the ability to hold inside the, the shoulder, everything, uh, uh, offensive tackles being able to be lined up off the line of scrimmage, everything that has helped the offense over the years is a rule. Same as the overtime rule is a rule. Why, 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 why do we have to take one out of many and say, okay, this is a problem? Just accept there's no perfect solution. This is what this every both teams know it, right, Jody? They know the rules, right? They know, they, well, come maybe to not John McNabb, maybe my, not John <laughs> back in the day, but everybody knows it. 
they're both playing under the same stipulations. I don't have a problem with it. Not at all. Not a little bit. Yeah, if your captain goes out to the field and the referee is explaining the rules and he says, oh, wait, what would you say? That's a problem. He should well damn well know what the rules are before they go out there and have the coin flip in overtime. Uh, here's one place where I'll potentially disagree with you slightly. Um, difference between regular season overtime rules and overtime rules. I think you can, because they certainly do it already, differentiate between regular season and well, postseason. Well, you don't have ties in the... In the... Exactly. You, know, you can't have ties in the postseason because you got to kind of decide it. So if they were to do that, I would be okay. I don't like it anyway. I don't think there is any need or necessity for change. But if they do say, well, here are the rules we're going to employ during the regular season and they're going to be slightly different during the postseason, conceptually, I don't have a problem with that because they've already gone down that road and I understand the road that they've taken. I don't want to see any changes. I want to stick with what they have. But if it is something that they choose to, and if they want to get it passed, it might be the easiest way to get it passed. Do it in the playoffs and then revisit it down the road for regular season. I, I don't have an issue with having two different well, sets of rules. Well, I, 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 I have more of an issue with the regular season right now than the postseason because I don't think 10 minutes is long enough uh, at times. Uh, basically, you get a couple first down, you got two possessions, you got a tie game if you're not able to get something done. And the last thing anybody wants is a tie game. But their claim is that's for safety, safety reasons. And then you, you you know what the real reason for that is, right, John? I I I I'm I'm talking about, but I'm talking Jody about the the hypocrisy of the people. Oh, so but but I, I'll tell you the main reason why they have that. Then here comes cynic McDonald. One o'clock games on Sunday need to be wrapped up by four twenty-five so they <laughs> get to that big time national. But God forbid they have an overtime that kind of drags and pushes it to 440 and they've got to join in progress. No, they want no part of that. And still, even though it's an ever expanding weekly calendar of the NFL games, Thursday night, Monday night, Sunday night, I guarantee you there's another night coming soon. Friday night. Amazon or so. Amazon. uh, They're going to do Black Friday. Amazon. Amazon wants a Black Friday game. That's happening. You know, it's happening. Uh, So I know there is less to, actual Sundays in the NFL, but it's still a pretty good, big block of games. Oh, they want to keep them very separate. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 and one group of four. I, I do think, um, you know, uh, the safety stuff is just so, um, absurd the way they go about it. And, you know, Paul Domovich did a great uh, piece today on the 33rd team about the scouting combine. Hopefully we're going to get Domo on at some point this week. And, you know, one of the things the agents were talking about when they, um, you know, threatened to boycott the combine was that the absurdity of the NFL. Remember, the NFL declared COVID over first before anybody else essentially they decreed okay we're done with this we're done with this we're losing too many players the playoffs are coming up we're done with it and then they want to bring it back a a month later for a bunch of poor college kids the absurdity the hypocrisy of that and by the way the nfl sadly leaves our country because then every politician had to say 
well, we can't shut down the NFL. So we have to stop it. We have to stop it because we look too absurd now. Seriously, that's what went on in this country, Jody. The NFL said, okay, we're done. We're, we've had it. And, 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 and now, you know, here in, in South Jersey, where both of us live, uh, they're finally going to uh, stop the mask mandates. They're going to stop them in all the major cities. The NFL started that. I'm, I'm being completely 100% serious. Absolutely. They, the hypocr- uh, even, but even more than the mask mandate was once you test negative, oh, you don't have to be tested again. Yeah, yeah. They tested every single week for the yeah. entire year, and all of a sudden, now it's done. No more. Not for a month. Not for two weeks. Not for a month. Not for a No, you're done for the year. If you got a yeah. negative test, you're good until yeah. your season stops, and then it's up to yeah. you as to whether you want to test yourself during the offseason. That you're kinda, right. just stone cold hypocrisy and, and and the hypocrisy of the safety measures and that's the problem that's the part i have a problem with and and then the people who who claim that they they're all about player safety they're they're hypocritical because they say oh well you have to do this you have to do that this is good this is that but play forever because i'm entertained no no there's nothing wrong with the overtime rules All right, how entertained will we be all this week watching the combine activity? Uh, Again, we'll we'll get some combine guns on. Matt Birdram's going to join us. We get Dom Moan as well. Um, I I, I'm going to be a sucker and be in front of my TV like everybody else, but it is a bunch of guys running around in shorts and t-shirts. But that's going to determine how they're going to play on Sundays against that playing against the clock against win this week. There's no actual football being played, but, ooh, it's going to move players up and down draft boards. It really does kind of bother me. Uh, So we'll talk plenty of draft combine over the course of the week. We're going to talk combine with the Eagles with our next guest, Chris Franklin from NJ.com. Jumps aboard Birds 365. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian in my heart. I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Kickoff Monday on Birds 365. You got Mac and Mac, John McMullen and Jody McDonald. Joined by our good bud, Chris Franklin from NJ.com, who is pumped up and ready for some combine action this week. Am I overstating things, Mr. Franklin? No, you're, you're very right. This is my first time actually going to one, so I'm looking forward to it a lot. And I'm, I'm going to try to keep myself from going down on the field, trying to run to 40 myself and trying to throw around. But, hey, it'll be all right. <laughs> Uh, you'll beat Rich Eisen, so that's all that matters <laughs> in the forty time. But uh, yeah, uh, you're you're going to be. I'm going to predict one thing about Chris because okay. this is your first combine. You're going to be more excited before then. <laughs> I know, I'm starting to hear that more and more. Like, because I heard we're going to be mostly in the convention center yeah, all, most of yeah, the time. Mostly so like, looking looking on TV, the same as uh, watching forty times. But uh, <laughs> after you know. Go to the steakhouses. Uh, that's my recommendation. Oh, um, <laughs> uh, when when you go, when you get there, obviously, uh, you're going to be focused on certain positions. Um, what's number one for you? I, it's edge rusher for me. I think that's logical. But uh, when you're if, putting on your Howie Roseman cap, you got three first-round picks. What are you focused on? Well, the one main thing I'm focused on is linebacker and specific, specifically a guy who's like a hybrid that can fit into Jonathan Gannon's scheme because more and more I've been thinking about over this offseason, as, as much as we hear about the offense complementing the defense and vice versa, if this offense truly wants to be an explosive offense and quickly get the ball down the field and quickly make those big plays, you're going to have your defense on there a lot. And if you're what conceivably what they want to be is up by a lot of points. You're going to need your defense to get a lot of pass rush. And right now you look at the edge rusher part, you have Brandon Graham. I would, I wouldn't mind seeing them see an edge rusher, but I want to see you get a linebacker that not only can drop, not only can rush the passer, but also drop back into coverage, especially because how many times do we see TJ Edwards or Alex Singleton try to rush back 10, 15 yards to get back in that Tampa two. And then all of a sudden you just saw the balls go right over their heads, stuff like that. So I think linebackers for me is where, where one of the biggest mm, needs is linebacker. Uh, Jerry Rich. Robinson, Chris yes. Franklin. <laughs> 1979. Am, we all am, got the story ready to go. <laughs> I, I am so much with you, but I fear with the Eagles past performances, and it's not just – I know 1979 goes back to when no one presently working for the Philadelphia Eagles was working for the Philadelphia Eagles. So <laughs> I know that date sticks out, but it really has nothing to do with what's going to happen no. here in 2022. And they still but... play defense in 1979. It's they were true, still man. allowed to play defense in 1979. And disco too. So, well, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Howie Roseman has been in charge for the better part of a decade and haven't come close to draw, drafting a linebacker in the first round. So I'm doubting it highly. I'm hoping you're right. Cause I agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> Let's let's play fantasy football here for a second. Let's say McDonald and Franklin are right, and the Eagles take a linebacker in the first round. Who's that guy? Who's that combo linebacker? Because you're right. Um, John and I talked in hour number one about uh, the very good year that T.J. Edwards had. Kind of a surprise. Wasn't a start at the beginning of the year, but then went in and did the job and had a really good statistical season. Um, 
if it's going to be somebody on one of the two sides of him, who is that linebacker that they can just get so wowed by, even though it goes against their DNA, they can't help but call his name out in the first round this year. For me, it's Devin Lloyd of Utah. I look at him as a guy who can not only rush the passer from the edge, who's disruptive. He had 22 tackles for a loss, but he also, I believe, he had like four interceptions or something like that as well, too. I think he had eight sacks was the other, the other uh, eight total sacks. So to me, he could play it. He's a two-level type of player. You got him, we get him on a pass rush on the outside. You can, if Gannon really wants to get exotic and th- throw him back in like a zone blitz or something like that, throw, hey, rush the one in the outside and have him drop back that way. And I think he also, I know he's more of a weak side linebacker, but you can finagle some stuff around to have him line up as a Sam linebacker and then have him, it puts defense on the name. Is he going to rush? Is he going to drop back? Is he going to move somewhere else? I think he could disguise, he'd be better for when they disguise. For me, it's definitely Devin Lloyd. Chris, uh, I, I think you were on the Daniel Jeremiah conference call. I think I yeah. saw you on there. Yeah. So yep. you, you heard what Daniel said about linebackers, how he wrote in the <laughs> linebacker. Um, but he did mention last year, he said, Dave Gettleman's never trading down. I bring that up because, look, if, if we're around long enough, if we're all, and you're younger than us, so hopefully you'll be around much longer than us, but. <laughs> You see everything in this league, so it's going to happen at some point. I can't tell you when, but man, if you were going to take a linebacker, wouldn't have you figured out how to get Micah Parsons last year, or just stayed at number six and take Micah Parsons? If you're not getting that difference maker in this draft, which Daniel kind of said, so if you want a defensive difference maker, go get Kyle Hamilton. Go package people and go get Kyle Hamilton because he's a different type of Micah Parsons, but he's the difference maker in this draft defensive. I think if he's somehow, I agree. Cause like, I agree, but I only think wonder if, if he falls down to say the 10, 11 range, then I'm throwing a, a third round pick. Heck, I even think about throwing like a 2023 20, second round pick. I'm moving up to get him. I do think he's that type of guy. The thing I'm worried about is I think he's going to be taken somewhere in the top seven. I, I think he's just too, that too good of a talent to drop. I look at, I know I saw, some people, I think it may have been Daryl Jim. I had a mock going to the Houston Texans. Safety is tough because, you know, yeah. see, safeties are not that you don't really think of guys. But I mean, besides like Brian Dawkins, Troy Palmolo, you don't really think of them as that type of guys who really, truly change the game in that sort of aspect because there's not that much value placed on them. But I think if he really, truly falls down to 10, 11, I I'd trade up to go get him. I think he that he's that high on a lot of people's draft boards, myself included. I think he's really that high that he'd be worth it. And then you have your cornerstone guy in the back end of that defense because we all know they need Rodney McLeod and Anthony Harris. They need safety. I think you have that cornerstone there for about the next good seven, eight years. Here's the thing that you got to get by if you want Hamilton. I'm uh, We're three for three here, guys. We all love the kid and think he is a difference maker. But much like the Eagles don't take linebackers in the first time, the <laughs> NFL doesn't take safeties that high either. It's just the position that has been devalued. I was talking to somebody over the weekend. I forget who it was. The three positions that have just stone cold been buried, linebacker, safety, right. running back. <laughs> Those are the three. Yeah. Everyone still needs somebody to get to the quarterback. You need somebody to protect the quarterback. You need somebody to catch the ball, wide receivers, tight ends. You need somebody to throw the ball, quarterback. What's left? Safe, and you need somebody to cover those very good wide receivers on the outside corners. What's left? 
safety, linebacker, running back. So I think that Hamilton could fall just because of that. The only team that I see potentially going there is Carolina at number six. If they don't go quarterback, which they shouldn't, there is no quarterback that's worth <laughs> Kenny Pickett, baby, uh, to that role. He does not deserve oh. to be the sixth pick in the draft. <laughs> They're the one team that I think they have such a desperate need for safety. They have needs all over the place. But I think Carolina could be the – Excuse me, the team that screws your. Uh, well, uh, let me jump in needle. after the sneeze, Jody. Let me let me jump in and say this, and I'll get both your guys' thoughts. And I use that term "difference maker," and I compared Kyle Hamilton to Micah Parsons because Micah Parsons—that's that was the knock on him, right? Some people said, "Well, he's an off-ball linebacker." Other people said. Well, he's an edge rusher, but but he's not long enough to be a full-time edge rusher. And he just shows up and blows everybody away. I think Kyle Hamilton is going to be – you're not just getting a safety. You're getting a slot corner. You're getting a linebacker. If you move him around like a Swiss Army knife, are we getting closer in this league to where they look at certain defensive players as, to use basketball as an example, positionless type of player i think you'll have some of that but it depends on the player and also i think it depends on the defensive mind that's actually using them too because if you have a guy you can have i mean look at hassan reddick i use that for example hassan reddick was a guy who they tried to make into like a a, a true stand-up like three five yard behind the line linebacker and he didn't play that well they moved him back to his traditional edge rusher part where he's not nowhere near the size of a prototypical defensive end. And I see, you know, you look at that last two years, he has 23 and a half sacks. So you can have, there is some truth to that, to the position this part, but I start to wonder a little bit where I think you still need the mindset of mentality. Hey, you know what, this guy, if he's a little slower out of his first break, you know, put him back to safety. If he's, he's got the ability, man, I'll say, Hey, you know what? You're not going to get past me. You're not going to go get that outside edge around me. So like that for a cornerback, I think that's where you go with that one. But it, it, it's, I think there's some, I think there's some movement to what you were saying, dude. John, you and I talked an hour number one. And if we're talking about Hamilton coming to the Eagles, the question is, uh, Chris just posed, how does Jonathan Gannon deploy him? Who did well, Jonathan who did Jonathan Gannon use this year as his Swiss Army knife guy? I'll well, he that didn't, for you. but he talked, and Chris knows he talked about Harrison Smith a lot. He talked about Harrison Smith and and wanting that type of player. And that's where it, it piques my interest to see if he gets somebody who could be that versatile. Uh, and I think Hamilton could be even more versatile because I think he could play linebacker as well, although Harrison Smith played linebacker in college. Um, that's the type of player he's looking for. So that's what kind of the breadcrumbs lead me towards top. Now, I don't think they can get up to a position to, to get him. But do the Eagles have that, I guess my bigger question, Chris, the Eagles have that ability, and I'm talking personnel-wise, to start thinking about players differently, to start thinking about the Micah Parsons, Isaiah Simmons in Arizona, another one. Um, and, and I think Kyle Hamilton is that type of player. He can play so many different spots. Why are we just pigeonholing him as strong safety? I I don't think he's just that. I think he had. I think they still need a couple more players to do that. Because I'm, 
I would I rather you have the basis and the foundation of your defense, you guys getting comfortable in your roles, and then you start to experiment a little bit more to try to throw some of the things off. Because I look right now, and I just look overall to overall lay in the land. I see potentially two, no, I'm kind of pushing it, two starting linebackers right now with this team. I see a defensive edge. I see a team that basically is trouble getting a pass rush, and I don't want to consistently blitz, blitz all the time because even though if you have Darius Slay, you still got to worry about, you still need to worry about your outside corner. And so before I start using the Swiss Army knife stuff, I want to make sure I get the base skeleton at defense and make sure. I think they're, if they can get like two or three players, not even just a draft, but a free agency that really solidify this defense to make it look like, hey, you know what? I know statistically it was 10, but really it feels like it was around 15. But if they get a couple players that make them actually look like they're a 10th, a 10th ranked defense, I think that's when you start to move it around. But Again, it goes to resources that they have, and it, it might be tough. I think probably one more year before you start thinking about guys like, if if you do get Hamilton, I think you use it. That's more like twenty twenty three than really truly or late twenty twenty two. Really truly use them as Swiss Army knife. So I'm going to ask John to do me a favor while I ask Chris a question here. Uh, JM, if you can quickly punch <laughs> it up, if you've got one that you trust, the NFL draft value chart. On how much each pick is worth. The one that Jimmy Johnson created decades ago still has value around the league. People still use that. Others have come up with similar charts that change the value a little bit. But if you got one that you specifically trust or like, John, please feel free to use that. If not, if you can punch up the Jimmy Johnson value chart. What is the highest the Eagles could move if they package 15 and 16 together? If they put uh, you know, interestingly, together. the one that 10, more 50. people use is our buddy uh, Brad Spielberger uh, did one uh, with, uh, I forget the, uh, do you know who he did it with? Uh, I want to give Chris, Jason Fitzgerald. Um, I, I usually use draft text. I think of the other ones here. Draft text the one I usually um, use on that one. So the, 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 the Eagles uh, have 15, 16, and 19. Um, right. So I'm asking if you combine 15 and 16, if you're going to move up, if Hamilton falls a little bit, how high are you going to need <laughs> to get as per the value draft chart? If we're looking at combining 15 and 16, how many slots could they move up? Uh, all right. I got to I got to figure it out. So you okay. guys in the meantime, going. I'm going to ask Chris, a qu- uh, Frank, on a question. John and I were talking earlier about wide receivers. He just did a column last week about the Eagles can't and shouldn't draft the wide receiver with one of their picks as we try and put them together to get the Kyle Hamilton. That doesn't work, so they got to keep their pick. And a wide receiver is there, and this is a deep draft for wide receivers. And as much as the Eagles have shown over the years that they do respect positional value, they also have a draft board. If your draft board just screams that this guy is the best player available when you're on the board, is there any possibility they select a wide receiver in the first round? Maybe they go three deep. Maybe it's not their first pick. Maybe they keep both picks and use the two, even though most of us believe they'll move at least one of the picks. They've got their third draft pick, and there's a wide receiver there just screaming to be picked. Will they use a first-round pick on a wide receiver this year, Chris? Unless they trade back down to, I think, the late 20s, I don't think they do. I think they, I wouldn't be surprised they did in the second round. I think if a guy like George Pickens is still there or Jameson Williams, there's, I, I, I think he's going to be taken high in the second round. But if there's some way that they somehow get him in the second round, but I think George Pickens, I like him a lot in Georgia. I think they stay shy away from that. I really think edge, edge rusher is going to be one. 
I seriously think a corner is going to be one. And then from there, I know it's a wild card, but I just, I, if just the way the board's going to be slotted, I think there's going to be a lineman or, or another edge rusher or maybe a Dean or Lloyd. I think those will be the guys they take it in one of the 19s, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, day two, they take a wide receiver. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, real quick. So the Jimmy on Jimmy's chart, which I think is a little bit outdated, uh, the Eagles could package yeah. 15 and 16, get up to number four. So that's I don't what I'm think, saying, yeah. Yeah, I don't think that's necessarily possible, but if I could package uh, 15 and 16 to get up to four, I'd do it. And that's – what are your odds, Chris, that the Eagles sit there and take all three of those first-round picks? Because I, I, I do not think they're coming out of this draft with three first-round picks. Well, speaking to everybody in the unofficial Franklin sports book, we're placing this about a uh, – uh, the of uh, the yes at a plus eight hundred. Just kidding, not. But <laughs> I'm saying uh, right now, I, I I don't I really don't think I think they either I think they trade nineteen. I I really I just got this real this hunch that they trade nineteen for a slot uh, selection next year to give them a little bit more flexibility. And I think they pick up an extra first. They pick up a first that way. I think they pick up another second too because also when we look at. I know that the cap is fluid and everybody goes, oh, well, the cap's basically figured because we've seen the way they maneuver around. But paying three first-round draft picks, especially if they all work yeah. out, that's that's a tough thing to do. Yeah. I, I mean, granted, people say, oh, well, if you get a championship or you success with them, yeah, you do it. But that's a very tough thing to do, three first-round picks. So I, I think they move one of those. And maybe to a Team 19, to a team that's once one of those quarterbacks that are still on the board. As do I. But I think here's the most likely scenario, and – this is the least sexy of them, so people are avoid speculating on them. If you got to pick high, you drop down, you still stay in the first round. Let's say who's sitting at number, I just happen to have the draft order uh, in front of me, Tampa is sitting at number 27, coming off uh, winning a suit, but then getting picked off. They desperately have someone they love. They want to move up to number 19. You trade down to from 19 to 27. That's eight draft slots. You add another third round pick or you add a uh, third and a seventh or something like that. If you want to add draft capital, that's how you do it. You come down a couple of slots. I was surprised that Johnny just did the math for us on the Johnson chart that you actually got the fourth pick for 15 and six. So maybe there's more intrinsic value to just the slots than I realized. Uh, but you can do well just by dropping down, which means you're still taking three first-round picks. Whenever we ask the question, what's the chance the Eagles are going to use all three of these picks? Well, at their individual slots, I'm with you, almost nil. Could they trade back and add another pick if that's what they want to do so that Howie can do what he does best, which is play the maneuver game on draft day? I think that's a real possibility for the Eagles here. I really do. It's funny you mentioned today because I could see them being a trade partner with the Eagles, especially with – it's. It depends on what happens with Chris Godwin. We all know what happened with Antonio Brown, so he's still dancing somewhere else. But I don't think he's going to – basically, they could be in the market for another wide receiver. And given around that area where you'll have Drake London, where you have a couple other guys, uh, Traylon Burks, guys like that, I could potentially see them doing that. And if and Basically, in essence, if you think Tampa Bay is going to be what they are, which would probably be a decent team still because they pieces – you think it's going to be it's going to be a late first round next year, but that couple, whatever, where the Eagles pick, they can still move around and trade it for some whatever needs they have. 
I don't know. The Bucks, man, they're in trouble. Ali Marpet retired. Yeah. That, that, <laughs> that, was, that was out of nowhere. And R Ryan Jensen is a free agent. Alex Cap is a free agent. The Bucks are are in some 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 trouble. <laughs> and I don't know if they can afford to give up. Um, so I keep and I shouldn't, you know, the Hamilton stuff is pie in the sky, but what isn't pie in the sky is edge rusher. And, you know, if you look at Daniel's draft, Daniel Jeremiah, he's got edge rushers coming off the board quick. Yeah. And we know Hutchinson's coming off quick. We know that we know Thibodeau, even if he falls, he's not falling out of the top 10. And then you got Daniel saying Trevon Walker after this week in Indy is going to be a top 10 player. And Jermaine Johnson's going to be a top 15 player. So all of a sudden, if you're the Eagles sitting at 15 and you want to, you want an edge rusher, do you want to wait for David Ojabo, George Karloptis, or do you want to go up and get one of those top four guys? That, to me, could be more interesting because that would be doable to get up, you know, late, 9, 10, 11, somewhere in that range if you really, really have a player target. I really think see, I really think Johnson falls too. And, and you know what? It, it brings up something I'll go to that side. But I really think I, I'm okay with Ojabu. Carefree is I'm I'm I have my questions about him a little bit more. I, I wonder about his consistency when he does his pass rush looking at a couple of things. But I really I think Ojabu, I think seeing now granted he was aided by Hutchinson on the other side. So can't discount that because we have that. You have a lot more one-on-ones and check the line his way. But I think Jerome Johnson is going to be there. And what sets it up is the Eagles with 15 and 16, do they start to play around with this a little bit more, trying to save just a little bit money going, well, let's get a position that doesn't cost as much up into this slot. And then eventually when they do that, it's going to be funny to see how they maneuver with these back-to-back -back picks or setting up for the long-term. Like, oh, well, he's an average. We know he costs more, but let's put him down, make him the 16th, and just we got back-to-back -back picks. I can see them doing something funny like that. But I'm cool with Johnson and Ojabu, but Carafitas, I'm – if Carafitas is – if if Carafitas – if even if Jabu's taking a Carafitas is on there, I'm I'm looking elsewhere because I just, I just can't see it with him. Yeah, someone told me on one of my spots that I didn't – I think it was on the air, but it might have been off the air, so I apologize if that's the case. Eagles like Johnson a lot in senior bowl week. Uh, they really were impressed by him. He had a great week, and uh, most of the writers wrote about how good he looked. Uh, but someone told me that, yeah, the Eagles uh, were uh, very enthused with his performance. So if you're looking for a little insight, it's where they're leaning. A lot can happen between now and the last. I'm just telling you, in late February, what could or should happen in April, a lot can change between now and then. But I think you are onto something with them leaning toward uh, Johnson at this point. All right, here's a handicapping question for both you guys. <laughs> and by the way, feel free to vote for yourselves. And you can control the process. Uh, <laughs> Howie Roseman is scheduled to speak on Wednesday from the Combine, uh, along with uh, head coach Nick Sirianni. Which of the Eagle Beat guys will ask the question, and Howie, how about your contract status? Ends at the end of the year, big guy. You said, have you signed? Will you sign? Are you talking about signing a contract extension with the Eagles? I'm not asking you, will this question get asked? Because I'm suggesting it will. Who's asking it? 
Franklin. Is it going to be McMullen? McMullen, is it going to be Franklin? Well, it's not going to be me because I'm not going to. I'm not going to be there. Oh, so <laughs> no be. Zoom on this. You can't. But I would be. No, in? you can't go Zoom on this. So oh, okay. I can't. All right, Franklin. Be me. So you got a shot there. Is it going to be you? Yeah. Give us a preview. Is that your first question, Howie Roseman? Howie, <laughs> have you signed past 2022? If it's not taken, yeah, because I want to ask, how do you do? You feel? I wonder if he's un, feels he's under extra pressure, being that he has to hit on all these things. I think I'm going to beat on it because I'm still trying to get the quick draw, of, and he scrubs a little bit. But I, 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 if I had to put my money on an actual beat writer, I think Jeff McClain might get beat him to it. I think Jeff might get. Yeah, beat Jeff him will ask it. it. There's certain guys. Jeff will, Ruben will ask it. I would ask it. I have no I'm problem asking it. It's like it's. For, he, yeah. I need. I'm. I'm I don't have my quick draw ready to go. Yeah, it's a good thing it's not the Wild West because I'm yeah. going. I'm a goner if that was the case. But yeah. and at Howie will probably you know fend it off. But at, at, if people are getting excited, Howie's not in danger. Don't okay. worry about. Don't worry about Howie. I can see. His, <laughs> I can see his answer right now. You know, we're all we're all under one year contracts every year in this league, yeah, and we're yeah, all under. Right. I can see something like that right now. Yeah. I can see it right now. <laughs> that sounds like Howie. All right, because uh, one run this by you, John, and I talked about it last week. I don't think you're guilty as charged, but others have been. The speculation on trading Gardner Minshew. Why? <laughs> what? What sense does it make? I don't get it, but several uh, websites and the like have at least broached the possibility. And no chance something like that's going to happen, is there? I am one of the uh, people that are is among the group that would seriously consider that if it means if only if you can get a second round pick for them. I really second. think a second because it, and you base that off of all these teams being let down. And I, and I try to say these teams being let down for not being able to get one of the big names like a Russell Wilson. And then they look in the draft like, well, we don't want anybody that. And then you got somebody going, well, we need to win right now or I don't have a job next year. All right. Who gives me the best job? And they're holding their nose going, you know what? At least Menchu wins. All right. Let's add the, add them in there and then you go from there that's if you can get a second for Minshew I'm in for it I I, I really think that's oh, if you can get it. a second for Minshew yeah I'm doing that yesterday go for can Miami Miami is always the one I mean look at Jay Fiedler AJ Fiedler yeah, yeah. Miami, I do it again <laughs> there's, there's, there's a reason why that won't happen because whatever general manager proposes it to his owner will be fired immediately <laughs> uh, won't even get to accept that second round no no that conversation will never come to a fruition. You have no chance to get a second round pick for Gardner Minshew. Well, now here's the thing, though. I mean, I think they could trade Gardner Minshew, but only if they bring in. So I, I'm shocked we've gotten this far to talk about the quarterbacks. Um, but if they bring in another quarterback, then yeah, then you could trade Gardner Minshew. But there's a lot of moving parts to that. Do you trade Jalen Hurts to get a better quarterback? And I don't know if you guys saw it because it just came out a couple minutes ago, but Eric Burkhart, who is the agent for Kyler Murray, uh, <laughs> <manifesto>. went public <laughs> uh, with a missive, not just a statement of basically nobody's reading that whole thing. So I'll translate it for you. He's not happy. He wants a new contract. So you have all these moving parts on the quarterback carousel, Chris. Gardner Minshew's way way down the list but you know it's looking more and more likely that Aaron Rodgers is going to stay in Green Bay um they keep restructuring deals for a reason to make money to to pay Aaron Rodgers 
Seattle and the franchise, Devontae Adams. Yeah, got to get both of those things. Got to get both of them. Um, Seattle. Uh, everybody thinks Russell's going except Seattle. They don't want to trade him. Um, and and then yeah, the lesser sort of second level names, the <clears throat> Derek Carrs, the Kirk Cousins. Um, they're more likely to stay than go. All of a sudden, nobody's available. You got all these quarterback openings. There's, yeah. It's going to be one of the most interesting off-seasons when it comes to quarterbacks in, in the history of the NFL. But I think people are going to be disappointed. I think it's going to be more stay in situations than go. And the Eagles are going to be a stay situation. I think Jalen's going to be here. Jalen's going to be the starting quarterback. But if he isn't, then everything's up in the air, including Gardner Minshew getting traded. If he's the backup, why, why, why do you need Gardner Minshew as your third string quarterback? Right, and and when I asked the question of Chris, he he certainly understood what I was asking. This is under the assumption that Hertz is the starter; he's the backup. Yeah, then then if he's nothing else changes there. Yeah. You've got one of the best backups in football. Why would you trade him? Yeah, Chris, Chris is going to fantasy land that they can get a second round. I'm just saying, Jacoby Jacoby Brissett's out there. I'm just saying, we, we see Nick Nick yeah. Sirianni's coach with him for a little bit. You saw all the stuff they did with him. Just saying, if they happen to trade yeah. Gardner Minshew, if they got a second, if somebody if somebody was desperate enough, I'm not talking about like the Jets or somebody like the which basically would be a first round pick, but somebody in the back end of the second round needed somebody or. Stuff good, stuff a, I will say that is a bad organization if I'm getting a second round. <laughs> fired. The GM's fired. He gets I'm fired before it. he can ever say done. Hey, you, but here's here's the bigger question. And our friend Jimmy Kemsky read about this this morning, so I'll give him a shout out. Jimmy. Uh, Russell Wilson, if he becomes available, two first round picks, a third round pick, a player. Are you making that deal? I even aside saying he waived his no trade clause to come to Philly, which I yeah. doubt he would. I'm still very, very hesitant because I think the you make that move for Russell Wilson if you are only a quarterback away from making from being a serious Super Bowl contender. And right now, seeing the the pieces that this team needs on offense, they still need another wide receiver. They still need, I think you may need a running back or two now, given that the uncertainty with Miles Sanders in his last contract year, and then you got Jordan Howard banged up. Then you look at the holes you have on defense. There's still so much, so many holes they have to fill. If this was next year, and see, I don't want to use that because Russell was be an extra year, but I, if they were one move away, I'd, I'd seriously consider it but right now there's there's too many holes to do that pl- to pl- before you can just plug them in and think okay yeah we're a super bowl team it's which, too many holes which by the way i've said this several times here in bird 365 wip everywhere else you're not getting russell wilson for two first round picks plus if matthew stafford was two ones plus a third plus a player russell wilson's better than matthew stafford i don't get it matthew stafford just won the super bowl what had he ever done before that russell wilson's one one been there been an MVP. Come on, you know the price has got to be more than that. So start with the three ones if you're going to have a legitimate conversation about Russell Wilson. Well, I'm considering Jalen Hurts as sort of a late one as a young player. Um, a young player who plays who the has, game's who most has, important. Who has more value, Jalen Hurts or Jared Goff? I think Jalen does now. 
I think I at this moment, I think Jalen does than Jared Goff last year. Jared Goff was taking some hits, some significant hits. He went to the I, Super Bowl, didn't he? Yeah, but you know that's where that's why, <laughs> that's why everybody keeps hiring Sean McVay people because he got to the Super Bowl with Jared Goff. That's why everybody wants to hire every everybody who's ever said a word to Sean McVay because he got Jared Goff to the Super Bowl. That's a heck of a thing on a resume. He's all like, you got him there? Wow. All right. Cool. All right. Good. <laughs> we're, we're right about what uh, questions Chris Franklin's going to ask uh, uh, either Howie Roseman and or Nick Sirianni. The question is, will he sneak over to the Rams availability and ask McVay a question so yeah, that he just can to get, get a, just a to get an game. interview? Yeah, uh, you should do that. Between that and I have about there's a couple NFC East coaches I want to talk to and maybe a couple Eagles coaches I want to talk to as well, too. It's going to be focus, a fun knuckles of days. <laughs> focus on McVay and you'll be in the league. And all, all the <laughs> That's what we're saying here. Chris, great stuff. Have a good time out in Indy. Read him at NJ.com all week long. You'll have all your Eagle coverage from Indianapolis. Thanks for coming on Birds 365. See ya. Hey, always fun talking to you guys. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Chris. Chris Appreciate Franklin it. for NJ.com here with us on Birds. 365. All right, coming back. Going to put a bow on the show. Combine week here on Birds 365. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. 
John McMullen, Jody McDonald. Guys, running out of show here, uh, but we will be back all week long. Uh, we uh, got Chris Franklin on before he left for the Combine. We got Matt Verdram from Fansided on from the Combine. We'll work on a couple other ones for you uh, as, as the week goes along. Um, maybe we can – what's the chance – John, you got an in with uh, that – what's his name, uh, Julian Laurie? You got, you got his cell number? You got a chance to get him on the show live from Indianapolis? Come yeah, on, McMullen, you're good. You got contacts. Yeah, it would be uh, – you know, I don't think Julian has ever spoken to anyone. It's going to have to at some point, though. Um, that's true it's going to be interesting uh to see how that unfolds but i think we got a couple years but it's clear that uh jeffrey laurie is you know preparing for that eventuality and uh you know it's going to be interesting because anytime you have that kind of shift in, in ownership there's going to be shift people are different even people in the same family we see it all the time in other sports and um you know julian is supposed to be heavy into analytics and um that's what he 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 went to school for and you know he's very close to alec Calabi, sort of uh the eagles analytics chief um would will be interesting to see if he would gain some power i know people have made that speculation um seems to way be the way the league is going i will say that uh, so, um, something to keep an eye on. Now you've uh, been on the beat here for a couple of years, so I'm going to ask you to stretch your memory a little bit. No, you know, better than me. There's a story out there that before he bought the Eagles, Jeff Lori used to live to do mock drafts and prep for the upcoming to add and like sit down Katz. Yeah. with watch videotape and, and play the game. Uh, then he bought the team and he actually had to play the game for real. And people speculate as to how much he has actually had influence over the Eagles with selections over the years and the like. How often has Jeff attended the combine? You got a a guesstimate on that? I don't. He used to go to the senior bowl a lot. Right. Um, Which he sent his son instead this year. He didn't go. So he Um, sent Julian down instead. No, but I'm talking about the combine. Yeah, the combine is a little bit more difficult because he can't. uh, I don't recall seeing him um, ever at the combine. That's not to say he's probably there. He's probably not hanging out at St. Elmo's. So, um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know that answer. I assume he's, you know, he's been here for 27 years now. I assume he's been there a few times, but never high profile. It's not a situation where he would talk or anything like that. So, um, but yeah, he's look, he's heavily involved. I mean, He's always been uh, an involved owner, so and he and he does love the draft. I mean, and that could be good and that could be bad. Right, uh, goes both ways. Yeah, yeah, but he's very involved. I'd rather have a, an an owner that's involved than the the alternative that's just buying the team to flip it. And I went through that with Red McCombs, who did that in numerous sports. He would buy sports teams to flip them, and he would cut cost and cut corners and do everything possible. It's always best to have an owner who cares about uh, even, even if it turns out to be negative at times. And I think it has turned out to be negative at times with Jeffrey Lurie. It's better, much better than the alternative. 
Um, I'm with you there. Yeah, we all have our overall belief of what an owner should be and what its responsibilities are. Uh, you don't want a non-attentive owner. You don't want an overly attentive owner. You want an attentive owner. And I think Jeffrey Lloyd falls into that. Every once in a while, he gets overly. And if I think I will certainly speak out and point it out. Yeah, and go, like assistant hey, coaches. Yeah. Settle down with the assistant position coaches. But there's a chance, good chance, Jeff Lloyd will not be involved this week. But could it son be? That'll be something we'll discuss again tomorrow. McMullen, I'm back in 22 hours. How about you? Um, let's do it. Two and two. Give me the Chuck Woolery. We'll be back in two and two. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.